This podcast is brought to you by Fear Free, the initiative that takes the pet out of petrified and puts treat into treatment. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. This is the Fear Free podcast series. I'm your host, Steve Dale. And on the phone with me, Dr. Graham Bilbro, Associate Director of Medical Affairs at IDEX, and the Dr. Marty Becker, who founded this whole fear-free thing in the first place. Uh, Both of you gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. And we've got a lot of ground to cover. So I'm one of those guys who for years have been talking about preventive care. And it's been called all sorts of different things from wellness to checkups and all these different terms. And I've talked about the importance and, and I would go into a room filled with 100 or 200 veterinary professionals and say, you need to talk about preventive care. You need to see your clients once or even better twice a year, not only for older pets, but all pets. They will benefit. And typically, some usually old codger in the back of the room would say, give me some proof for that. How do you know? Where's the data? (laughs) Well, it turns out just like that. It turns out, Dr. Bilbro, that IDEX, and thank you very much, because this is amazing, IDEX does have data on all of this now. Yes, we do have data, and thank you for that. But the first thing for me to say is we're not alone in having that data. We as scientists, we get our confidence from repeated studies finding the same thing, and the great news is when it comes to wellness, when it comes to preventive care, call it what you will, when it comes to this area of testing, we know we uncover problems that cause the veterinarian to do something different. And so we've seen this from a study that came out of Europe, a study that came out of Australia, a study that comes out of, the, out of North America from three different studies, all pointing in the same direction that these blood tests help uncover problems that would have otherwise been missed. And that's great. It's fantastic that we have the evidence that the blood tests help but as, I, as we're going to get to talk about in the next few minutes, if the pet owners aren't bringing their pets to the veterinary practice to get the blood test done, then it doesn't help. What we really need is to make it a, a, a pleasant experience for the, for, 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 as possible for the pet, pleasant experience for the pet owner, and then we can get these oh-so-important blood tests done. Well, perfect lead-in for my line that Dr. Becker would say if I didn't say it, uh, and that is veterinarians, uh, Dr. Becker, cannot help pets they don't see. And one of the reasons, and we know now, we know there's data about this too. We know exactly why pets who don't go to the veterinarian don't go to the veterinarian. And one of the most significant reasons, and at times the most significant reason, is that pet is fearful. Terrified might be a better word, and the owner or the client feels terrible about it, and in some cases physically can't even do it. You know, Steve, I've known you for decades. I don't know if I've seen you this excited before, and I I tell you, I know why, though. You have talked about preventive care for years. You've talked about the importance of at least yearly, twice yearly wellness visits, and also about about taking the pet out of petrified. And, and Dr. Graham, if I could kind of amplify what you said, I'm going to do it in a story. I had a dog the last time I practiced, about last Thursday, and this dog had didn't come in for puppy shots because it was over a year old because it was adopted at the shelter, it was spayed, neutered, and vaccinated. 
So they went to the pet superstore, and they got upsold on super premium food, which is, doesn't do any good, by the way. Waste of money. There, there goes your discretionary pet health care dollars. Uh, you know, got sold on super expensive treats, which, again, leads to this dog was already obese. But here's the thing that happened with this dog. So the dog finally comes in because it was injured. It had been out running, had a laceration. That's something you got to go to the vet for. And we ran uh, the, urinal, uh, the SDMA test, the IDEX SDMA test, looking for early renal disease. We just lost our dog last week, Coyote, from renal disease. And that, that test did not exist when he was a puppy. And so, and you can correct me on this, you're the expert, but I think about 80% of the kidney function has to be gone before you start to detect it just looking at blood urea nitrogen and creatinine levels. So if we had caught, caught coyotes earlier by regular testing, uh, he could have probably lived an even longer life. And he was on a prescription diet for kidney, kidney function. But that lady, her previous dog, was terrified of going to the veterinarian. And she said, I, I feel like I'm always hurting it by trying to help it. So for this dog, I wasn't going to take it to the vet unless I needed to. That meant it was sick or injured. So through the fear-free movement, our slogan's taking the pet out of petrified. We can actually make it to where dogs will drag the owner into the hospital because we put the treat into treatment. I'm not going to say cats drag their owners into the hospital, but <laughs> most of them are neutral. It's not the worst thing that's going to happen this month, but... Could you talk a little bit about this, this SDMA test? I, I'd, I'd be very happy to. So SDMA test, as you mentioned, is a test for kidney function. Um, we've long had blood tests for kidney function. You mentioned a couple already. You mentioned creatinine. You mentioned something called BUN. These are both what veterinarians call markers of kidney function. So the, the numbers for these tests go up when the kidney is starting to fail. And for, for BUN and creatinine, they're what we now call late markers because we need to have lost a lot of the kidney function before we see the numbers become increased, before the numbers become elevated. Now, SDMA, in contrast to that, we may see that increase with as little as 25% loss of, of kidney function, usually around 40% loss of kidney function, much, much earlier than creatinine, much, much earlier than BUN. And that allows veterinarians to, 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 to identify the problem earlier and start to make those kind of changes that may be helpful and to give the pet the best chance of, of a good outcome. And, and, and I've called SDMA a, a game changer because I really truly believe it is, or at least it can be. But again, going back to what Dr. Becker said, it can't be if the pet isn't there to see you in the first place. So you can't do a test on a pet you're not seeing, right? Absolutely. And when I think of my own family, I've got a couple of physicians within my extended family. They believe in blood tests. They believe in preventive care. They're always telling me to get, get blood tests done for my prostate and to get my blood pressure measured and to look at my white cell count and so on and such forth. But they're the classic example of people that just don't bring their pets to the veterinarians for, for, for wellness. They've got the money to do it. They've got the time to do it. They've got the love for their animals to do it. But bluntly, they hate their pet's reaction to going to the veterinarians. And I, I, I'd be very interested to hear Steve's comments on, on, on how we can bring about that change in perception. Oh, I could do a whole podcast about how we can bring that about. But, but I will tell you, if we get a pet that apparently doesn't mind or even enjoys, Dr. Becker has seen videos of our dogs dragging me, literally dragging me down the street into the door of the veterinary clinic. 
Uh, and the way I do that is because we happen to luck out. I happen to live near Blum Animal Hospital in Chicago or near enough where on a good walk, we can typically go there anytime. And they do. And they go there for treats and they've been brought up that way. Our cat has always enjoyed going to the veterinarian. And you said tolerate. I'd argue that our, our cat actually enjoys that because, again, I happen to get our cat as a kitten, so I was able to do some things that you can't do if you adopt, and I hope you do, adopt a 15-year-old cat. But we were able to do some things that you weren't or aren't able to necessarily do if you adopt an older cat. And I would say that our pets benefit by that in any number of ways, and I want to talk about one of those ways now. So you get to the veterinarian, you have a reluctant animal who might be actually terrified and dr becker i, I want to stop there because i i i sometimes think we it's listen this is an audience of veterinary professionals you obviously know that pet is not happy to be there so i would argue though that it's it's more than that i'd i'd argue some of these pets dr becker actually believe they are going to die literally I think a lot of them think they're going to die. You know, that amygdala, that little almond-shaped thing that sticks deep in, in my brain and your brain and all these pets' brains, you can't, you can't use bleach and bleach out these bad experiences. You know, for me, I'd, I'd love to forget about my parents arguing about a divorce and, and uh, my granddaughter having RSV virus and not expected to live and the last car accident my wife and I got into, the airbags deployed, but it's stuck in there. And... Unfortunately for pets, they can't tell you, you know what, it was this person in this exam room that did this to me. They can't tell you, you know, in English, but they can tell you by their body language that something is wrong. And they're like a one-year-old child. They don't know why any procedure benefits them. You can't take a pet in and it knows, hey, we're going to get this vaccination, but it's going to protect you against distemper, panleukopenia, or we're going to do this blood draw and we're going to test your kidneys because we need to be able to monitor this and know when to do this. They don't know why a procedure benefits them, and they can't anticipate or expect the relief of fear, anxiety, and stress or pain, even if it's moments away. So that's why, uh, you know, some of the boarded behaviorists, which are the, the bedrock of Fear Free, have said, liken pets to uh, a stick of dynamite that could blow up at any time. They've got a certain length of fuse. Some pets like your, you know, your kitten that came in had a longer fuse. Some that are, have had rougher experiences have a shorter fuse, but you've got to keep it from the living room to the exam room to treatment and back to the living room. You can't let them explode with PTS or, or anxiety. And also we've got to mention you know, pain is another big factor of fear. Fear is caused by something painful or something, something disturbing. And it's really interesting. Everybody knows Dr. Steve Ettinger. He's our chief medical officer of Fear Free and so supportive of the fact that it's better medicine, that the vital signs are more normal. You know, what if the temperature is increased because it's a fever, not because uh, they've been shivering out there and their heart beating out of their chest and panting? Uh, what if the heart rate is increased and it's some clinical disease, not just stress? And in the, the chemistry profiles, what if the increase in glucose is pre-diabetic, not a stress leukogram? Uh, the spleen doesn't just squeeze everything out and increase the red blood cells and the white blood cells. So, you know, really from the, from the, the mundane, just your, your physical exam, a pet limps at home, it doesn't limp in the clinic. They touched it at home and it cried out. You stick your finger clear through it at the clinic because it it's in the fight-or-flight mode. So when you keep them 
uh, reduce fear, anxiety, and stress, and increase happy and calm. As you do through these fear-free techniques, uh, everything's better. There's much less chance of fear-based aggression, so the injuries go down. It's better medicine. It's more profitable. We now have a study that's uh, being released in the publications. Uh, laboratory testing dramatically increases in practices that have embraced fear-free, and that's because the pet owners don't feel like they're hurting their pet by trying to help it. They All right, realize so... Hey, Lift Pet likes to come in here. And a lot of things we do, too, Steve, is I used to be guilty of this. I, and I, you've heard me say this in front of crowds. Before Fear Free started, really, 10 years ago in 2009, I was one of those people stretching cats out into two zip codes, and the IDEX lab was here to pick up things, and so they couldn't get a blood test, so I'd help hold the dog down, and the dog would poop in my pocket, you know, uh, periodically, just from squeeze one out of it from stress. Never thought a single thing about it. And, and now we know... If we can, uh, you know, if you can keep that pet happy and calm in the exam room, we just always take it in the back because something would surely go wrong. We'd trim the nails too short. We'd miss getting the, the blood the first time. So we'd take everything from the exam room into the back. Well, the back, they're, they're relaxed into the room, hopefully, or at least used to it. You take them in the back, which is this scrum of stress, pets being anesthetized, pets coming out of anesthesia, these other pets that are scared watching out of those treatment cages. Talk about a mess. Uh, now we do almost every procedure that is possible in the exam room. We draw the blood in the exam room. We put the catheter in the exam room if we're going to, uh, you know, do something uh, temporary. Um, pretty much only radiographs, and if something's going to be hospitalized, do we take it in the back? And All right, that, so... again, just allows us to reduce for anxiety and stress in the pet, have more accurate results, have the owner more willing to come in on a frequent basis because they... Uh, not it's not a hurt for their pet and a hassle to them to come in so i don't want to slide by the blood test so you you we've you talked about that several times and you have both alluded to it but i want to make a point of it and you know what i think veterinary professionals know this in their gut and they may know more than that they probably do but i want to make a point of it the impact dr bilbro of stress on blood test the impact is huge, and, and Dr. Becker made some great points there earlier. To add to that, it's, when we think about an animal going through fear and anxiety and stress, we think about the effect on blood glucose and trying to discern stress hyperglycemia from, uh, from diabetes mellitus. Let's also think about things like an ACTH stimulation test. How easy is it going to be to understand the cortisol pattern for that patient with all that stress happening at the same time? can go beyond that. We can think about things like what happens when there's splenic contraction, which changes the hematocrit, which changes the reticulocyte count, brings about so many changes that we, we really makes the interpretation much harder to do. And what veterinarians tend to do is we think, well, the animal's stressed. Let's give it some medication. Let's give it some, some chill juice, if you will, um, to try and get more normal blood test results. But one of the most common questions I get at IDEX is, hey, I've given this drug, I've given some azapromazine, I've given some gabapentin, I gave it because the animal was stressed, I gave it because I didn't want the pet to suffer. Now, how do I interpret the results? Because those medications, given with, with, with good intent, um, tend to bring about changes, again, in the blood profile, which make it so much harder to do the interpretation. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but really, if we can just say no to these drugs, it really is the best way. If we can have an animal that's calm and happy, the best way to get the best set of results to give the best interpretations. So ideally, Dr. Becker, 
the number one choice should be to prevent it from happening in the first place. But I guess the second choice would be indeed the gabapentin or whatever seems most appropriate so that pet isn't suffering from extreme fear, anxiety, and stress. You know, I just saw, I saw on Facebook yesterday, I can't remember, I think it was on the Fear Free Facebook group, showed uh, a series of cats in thundershirts at this hospital. Mm-hmm. And people forget about compression garments. Yeah. You know, the just, just uh, we, we figure it works in about 60 to 70% of dogs. It has some positive effect in maybe 30 to 40% of cats who you, depends on who you talk to. I've, uh, by the way, we found most people don't put them tight enough on a dog and they put them too tight on a cat. But also, there's other things that you can, can do. Like when we have a cat come in to North Idaho Animal Hospital, we take a cotton ball that's impregnated with feel away and toss it in the carrier. And then they get a warm towel that's impregnated with feel away to lay over the carrier. Then you have calming music. And then you give the, the cat the choice of where it's examined. You know, can we just leave it in the bottom of the carrier? And, and do a towel and lay it over the cat, and then so we just do our exam. Always have to be, and there are some great nutraceuticals, too. Uh, Zilkeen is one that we use a lot in a, it's a different dosage than it's on the package. But we can go treats, uh, pheromones, calming music. There's a lot of things we can do, and it starts at home. The pet owner, when they come in, they, they follow our techniques. And one of the things that just makes me smile is to go out and see, rather than pets being held together in a waiting area, are they check in, the pet owner checks in and goes back out and waits in the vehicle with their pets. And so you'll have eight to ten waiting areas in their vehicles out in the parking lot, and that reduces FAS when they're trying to be seen. Then they go into the room and now listen to the music, sniff the pheromones. If it's a cat, they can use the litter box. We have water for all of them. We entice them out with food, uh, food rewards or silver vine or catnip. And that's the thing you know, I like to stress. Fear free is not me. Fear free is we. And, Steve, you've been an important part of that. There's 200-plus people. There's 60 boarded behaviorists. There's 10 boarded anesthesiologists. Some of the icons of medicine, Gary Landsberg's our head of research, Tony Buffington's head of environmental enrichment, Ross Palmer's head of orthopedics, Mike Lappin, infectious disease. Um, we've got a, a rock star group of people looking at how you look at both physical and emotional well-being, and that, that's what we're after. We're not just can't keep them calm without having high-tech medicine. We want to have state-of-the-art meet state-of-the-heart. Okay, so I don't want to s- slip by this. and In case you missed it, I, I want to make a point of saying that playing music in the background, that's something that's easy to do. Using feel-away, using adaptal, using thunder shirts even, all of which are easy to do. All of these things that Dr. Becker said, and there's no downside, none of this. And Dr. Bilbro, you're the expert, but I can't imagine any of this would affect, except in a positive way, uh, any, any impact on a blood test whatsoever. No impact expected other than the animal that's stress-free is going to give you the closest to, 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 to what its normal situation is, and it's going to make it easiest to interpret those results. And by interpreting those results in a more accurate way, might we predict that more lives can actually be saved? We're heading in the right direction. When interpreting in the best situation, we're going to have our best chance of saving lives. All right, well... I thank you very much for supporting uh, the whole preventive care. And, and yes, others, have, I'm well aware, have come up with data as well. But 
the IDEX data is quite compelling. So I thank you very thank you. much for that. And uh, Dr. Becker, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, friend. Thank you. If you're already registered for Fear Free, be sure to keep up with all the Fear Free happenings, access the new toolbox items, and find all the additional courses at fearfreepets.com. And of course, if you're not registered, find everything you need to know to get started at fearfreepets.com. If you're a member interested in pursuing practice certification, get more details on the same site under the Veterinary About section. And if you're a pet owner who just stumbled upon this podcast, learn more about the resources we have for you at fearfreehappyhomes.com. 